a Dad's Net original podcast. Hi, I'm Michael. And I'm Paul. We're the Atwell Bryces and this is Diffability. The podcast for parents with children who have disabilities. We're the proud dads of two sets of identical twins, Lance and Lawson, our youngest. And Levi and Lucas, our older twins, who are diagnosed with autism and epilepsy, amongst other disabilities. In Diffability, we'll be helping you with tips and recommendations. And we'll be speaking to special guests. And most of all, you'll hear that you are not alone in your journey. Hello and welcome back to Diffability. Hello, you lovely, lovely bunch of people. We are back. We are talking all things real life. And I will let you know the builders are still here. So in case you hear some bang, bang, bang. It might occasionally sound like we're in a dentist. Pardon me? (laughs) (laughs) That's actually the builders. There goes another. <laughs> no, so no. if you've been listening uh, quite a while, you'll know that there's been builders in and out a while, but we've had a bit of a drama where uh, we've had a falling out with the first builder and it's kind of thrown off site now. So we've and had we've now the, um, another yeah. in. But we've had the um, building regs out and now we need a stroke. Structural, structural engineer out. Oh, there we so, go. It's getting even better, isn't it? It's not happy with <laughs> one of the beams how it's spotted, so this might be going on till Christmas. Who knows, but here we are, and we're going to be talking lots of things today. In fact, I've forgotten what we're going to be talking about, Michael. What are we talking about today? Well, so we've recently celebrated Paul's birthday, and of course, he didn't just ask for a bottle of dupe. Oh, I got a lovely aftershave, Clive Christensen. It's what I wear. It's I absolutely. It's what I wear. No, it's not. So he got his first bottle uh, in the Cordwell auction, didn't you? And it's classed as the world's most expensive aftershave. Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. It really, really is. You know, if anybody ever wants to buy me a gift, please feel free to buy me another bottle of that. It's very delightful. I had a lovely birthday. It was very relaxed. What was really nice, though, keeping it real, is both boys, the older two boys, Levi and Lucas, were healthy. That's what was really nice about their birthday as well, wasn't it? Because and the, touch wood, it yeah. stays like that. Let's yeah. keep it real. We want it to stay level, their epilepsy. You know, we want it to keep going nice and steady. I can't remember if we mentioned before, I think we have done briefly, about Levi and his weight. Um, so... It was classed as un- if they underweight. Carry on, I'm going to go up there and stick a shovel up their bum. <laughs> it was classed as underweight. Um, it was 42 kilograms. So we've really upped, like, giving him the extra fibre drinks. So, uh, listeners might know that I have children with additional needs. They have sometimes have supplement drinks. And Levi's on one called Enshaw, and it's 310 calories a drink. So we've got him from 42 kilograms to 45 in a week. So at that point when Melanie, the dietitian, left the house, we both said, right, that's it now. Yeah. We are on this and we are going to be so structured. We are keeping a diary as well, aren't we, Michael? Lucas weighs 52 kilograms, so there were like 10 kilograms between them. The only thing with this that worries me a little bit, which I'm sure a lot of parents will resonate with this, is... Because his weight is now fluctuating to be better, is increasing with his weight gain. 
his levels of his epilepsy drugs are at his old weight. <coughs> so that, that makes me a bit, a bit nervous there. But yeah, so epilepsy meds are based on weight. So how much medication they have. It's per milliliter of medication is per kilogram of weight. So the bigger they get, the less effective the, uh, the drugs are. So we, we are concerned about that, but we're keeping his eye on that. And we have got scope to increase some of his epilepsy meds, haven't we? Yeah, so that, that's our focus at the moment, as well as trying to get these builders out of our bloody house. See, Sorry about all this. Lucas is terrible, on, terrible. Lucas is on no supplements, is he? No. No, but the dietitian said, well, he still could put weight on. And I said to her, I said, hang on a moment. I said, it's not you that's got to push him. I said, what about our backs? She said, oh, it'll be good for your muscles. I said, but it's over 50 kilograms when you're pushing somebody up a hill who's stimming, who's rocking backwards and forwards in excitement. And you're trying to get to the top of the hill and the dietitian is saying, well, he still needs to put some more weight on. And I'm saying, but hang on. You know, yeah. who's going to get him about? Who lifts him up when he... For people that go to Alton Towers, if you ever go to the runaway... Is it the runaway mine train? Oh, it's like... It's like, like climbing it's, no, Mount Everest. No, no, no. You know what it's like. I don't know if any of you guys used to watch Gladiators when it was big in its heyday. Yeah, going up that... Travelator. Escalator, yeah. Travelator. Yeah. The, at the end of the assault course, they used but to have pushing a Travelator. A, pushing a buggy up here. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. <laughs> and you feel like you're walking on the spot. So, um, oh, but God. coming up in today's Difficulty podcast, we have a very fascinating insight. Um, She's a massive celebrity therapist. She treats a lot of celebrities, footballers, Royalty, she even treats royalty. Or treats, I don't know if that's the right terminology for a therapist, but... She works works with, with, yes. Um, And some of the stuff that Marissa was coming out with was amazing. So we've got Marissa uh, Pia coming up later on in the show. Let's just call her Mary, (laughs) if you can't work it out, Michael. We've got an interview with M. Let's just say No, she were, she were really good and we were kind of wrapping the interview up and she wanted to give more advice for, for the parents. And She it talks is, a lot about being sense. burnt out and as a parent. And she was talking about brain burnout where it's actually physically damaging your brain um, and that's shown upon scans and stuff. So very knowledgeable and um, amazing knowledge. She's got a new book out at the moment, so stay tuned for that. Our next section on disability is always your kind of questions and comments and things that have been sent in to us on the Atwal Bryce Instagram page or things that sometimes have been sent in to the parenting groups on the Dad's Net. And we've had one from Emma from Swinton and she's seen, we've put on a lot about the boys having the hairs cut and they're really good at it at the moment but it wasn't like that to start with or at all. It used um, to be awful, and this is the reality of it. It was just horrendous. I think people have watched the videos now and thought that that's how the boys have always been with the haircuts, but it was virtually impossible to start with onto. Yeah, and I think the best way that we've kind of been able to move forward with this has been every time we've washed the hair over years, I used the hairdryer to blow dry their hair, didn't I? And yeah. that really helped with desensitizing them. And it was the biggest, th- biggest 
thing like breakthrough. So the, they are still sensitive now, especially with clippers and having rammed their ears and stuff done, but nowhere near. So they used to scream, throw themselves about, cry, get so distressed when we were in their ears cut. We never could take them to the barbers or hairdressers. It always had to be done in our kitchen. And no matter how much prep work we did, it just felt like terrible. But like Paul said, with same with brushing the teeth, same with cutting the nails, over the years, that's got easier. So many parents starting out with autism and and the difficulties, the sensitivities to eating and to lights and noise and sensitive with the heads. It we found it has got easier over the years, and the more you do it, the more it gets better. So here's an example: if we've got the boys in the uh, cha- the wet room in the house somewhere, they're sat on the bench and we're cutting their fingernails. They will pass you their hand. For us to cut their fingernails. But in the same part of them doing that, they are trying to shove their toes into your face because they know that after we do fingernails, we do the toenails. That's always so, funny, isn't it? When we're cutting our nails, Levi will sho- shove his hand in for his nails cutting, but it didn't used to be like that. They used to get so upset with it. So carry on just do what you can if don't you, just don't give up if you can run a, run the brush through the hair every day um just to get them used to it if you can blow dry it like paul says and and comb it and blow dry it to get it dry after a bath that's helped us um we can now take them to an actual barber's and they can sit in the chair yeah but we, we say that with support so, with lots of support even but now. not like it used to be is it and you know that that part doesn't make me nervous what makes me nervous is the general public coming in, their perceptions and what yeah. they might think. So we, That's we, the part that makes yeah. me more nervous than anything else. So, Not the boys, how they would behave. Well, we got to know a really good barber, didn't we? And he's got a barber shop near us called Bumwell Style. And he basically does specialist appointments where it's just open for you for that appointment. And we've obviously pinpointed a lot of parents in our area to that, and that's helped them massively because it will close the shop, it will turn the lights down, the music off, uh, take as long as it, is it needed. So I think he had one client and he said the other week, and it took over two hours to cut his hair because and that is it was hard work. It cost, it cost the child just couldn't manage it, so he'd be moving around the child, cutting bits at a time, doing what he could. Uh, and over time gradually they get used to it and they become more comfortable but it, it's took a lot of years for us to get to this stage but the boys can now have their cut it's like riding for the disabled uh, we tried to take them to that years ago we got the doctor to sign it all off um, we went to the riding for the disabled the boys weren't allowed to go on it because they won't wear a helmet so, this so is, all that prep work that we spent yeah, doing get it signed off was that all done okay, for nothing yeah. because they physically will not keep a hat on in the winter. They won't wear gloves in the no. winter. They won't wear a bicycle helmet. It's they won't just, wear sunglasses. Their heads are extremely sensitive, the boys, and they just will not tolerate anything on them at all. So in the winter, it kind of looks like we're wrapped up with a hat and scarf and gloves and we're just leaving the kids to be cold but they just will not tolerate it they've had so many different hats scarves gloves everything and they just some children just won't accept it it's too sensitive for them and that's fine but 
with the haircuts that has got lots lots better so next up we've got Diffability Recommends where we're going to recommend a great product or service for you so stay tuned So before we do recommend a product, which a lot of you listeners will know, um, I don't know if you've been watching our social media lately. The other day we took the kids to the park and there was a bit of an accident with myself. Uh, I took Levi on the zip wire because I like to get the kids to do as much as they can. And it backfired and I went flying and I've really injured my groin and it still hurts to this day. So. I do not recommend zip wires to families with special needs kids. This Diffability does not recommend. This is Diffability does not recommend <laughs> Try to try and do that because if you go on our social medias, you'll see the video. It's on the Atwell Bryce Facebook page, that. Oh, I went flying. And it's then, funny because Lawton at the end, he goes, he's dead. <laughs> and, then, and then Levi just gets up and walks off. <laughs> and leaves you to it. So the kids, I could have been dead on the floor and they all just wanted to carry on doing what they were doing. Great. But yes, back to recommending a product. And Michael, tell everybody about this product. Also, Levi and Lucas actually got sent this for the birthday from uh, someone off the Instagram page, which we really appreciate. And we'd like to say thank you. Um, we've had a lot of sensory stuff over the years, but this was a small box with like loads of fidget toys in. Um, and it's got 27 toys in, and it's available on Amazon. It's about £15.99. Um, but it's got 27 like little fidget toys and stuff in and we really liked it because there was something for all the kids even the little two um, Levi and Lucas picked out bits that they like out of it which were like most of the pack but then Lawson and Lance could also play with the little bits as well so there's 27 little fidget toys um, squidges uh, you know, them, it's like a little box and it's got like a light switch thing on and different buttons and stuff to press. Um, what did Lucas like out of it? So Lucas has like, you know, those squidges and he tends to pull each individual piece off. They're like a ball and uh, they're stretchy. You can pull them apart. He likes he likes those. But like elastic band material, isn't it? It's really good because when kids get bored of a certain toy quickly, you can keep swapping it about. And it's very, very good indeed. Yeah, so we it's highly on, recommend this. It's on Amazon and it's um the box is it's called Fidget Toy Set. And it's got twenty seven different things in. So it's got stuff like um box fiddle, uh fiddler. St- stress stuff, <laughs> anxiety relief for autism ADHD. So it, it's for all different disabilities, special needs. Uh, children with development. So if you're a bit of a fiddler, <laughs> you will love this. Stress balls, uh, push pop, fidget toys. <laughs> and we toys. all love a good stress ball, <laughs> don't we? <laughs> yeah, it had, which Lawton loved, a mini, fi- um, what they're called, them that spin round. Fidget spinners. Is, is it? Yes. It had a mini one of them, and they're in the habit at the moment of taking little toys to school, but they never come back with them. Where's my fidget spinner? But they're leaving them at school, aren't they? Yeah, and it is actually a really good box with so many different toys in it. Oh, it's got this little one that I They're all handheld, you know, they all fit in your hand. They're not big things. It's got this small one that's like a pea pod. 
and you can squeeze the peas out, but they're fastened in inside, so it's the squeeze out. Down at the bottom of the garden, <laughs> amongst the birds and the peas. The birds and the bees. Birds and the bees. The Paddington peas. I used to watch that, did you? Yeah, Paddington peas. Were you born then, Michael? Down at the bottom of the garden. With the birds and the bees, there is a little pea. <laughs> they call it Paddington Peas. The Paddington Peas! Yes! Yes, we are available for children's uh, programs if you want to book us. <laughs> but anyway, so back to the product. We totally recommend that. And you know what I like about this? It's really easy to take in the car if you're on a flight with the kids as well, because that's what I was thinking of when we're on the plane with the boys. Well, Lurton and Lanson were on a school trip the other day, so I gave them a couple of the pieces just to fidget and play with on the on the bus while they went to this little petting farm. And I think, you know, the is it the poppets? Poppers? Poppets? Poppets? No! Poppers. The, Pop- them popper things. Yes, but you know what poppets are, yeah, don't you? Chocolate, yeah. Those chocolate balls in those little boxes. <laughs> oh, I love poppets, do you? It's always about balls for you, isn't it? No, it's not all <laughs> balls. So, um, so this little popper thing. So I'm getting a bit distracted because as we're saying this, the Jack R producer is looking at me and he's walking around in his underpants. <laughs> so, excuse me for laughing. No, so um, yeah, check that little box out on Amazon. And next up on the Differability podcast, we are going to be joined by Marissa Peer. Here's the interview we recorded. It's a fascinating insight into her life and how she works with so many different, diverse, unique people. I absolutely love this. This is one of my favourite interviews here on the Differability Podcast. We're really lucky today to be joined by Marissa Peer. Um, I am so excited about this because Marisa has done so much work, which I think so many of our listeners need to hear about. And I think you're going to play such an important role in a lot of our listeners, because obviously coming from a background of parenting children with disabilities and special educational needs can be extremely exhausting. Now, I know a lot of your work, Marisa, is very much about this, but I just want to give our listeners a quick update on who you are and the kind of work you do. So you are an award-winning therapist, and I love the sound of this already. Um, So a lot of your client list, they include international superstars, CEOs, Olympic athletes, and royalty, which is so exciting. You also have a new book out, which is called Tell Yourself a Better Lie, which I would love you to send me a copy because I want to read it. I would... I would love to to read it. And we're going to talk about different topics today and especially burnout and how a lot of parents can, can suddenly become so burnt out when they forget about themselves and all those kind of things. But very quickly, hello, Marissa. Hi, how are you? Nice to see you. We're good. And you're looking rather fabulous and your home looks beautiful. Oh, thank you. So, and I love your hat. So how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm in London now for the summer. My daughter's just about to get married. So it's all very exciting. And my challenge, my five day challenge in schools is is going 
really so well in England and America, Britain and America. So it's all really exciting. Good, good, good. So yeah, Marissa, we know you obviously specialise in a few different topics, but like Paul just mentioned, we'd like to talk about burnout and how important it is to recognise the signs of burnout. Yeah, I think there's burnout and then there's actually brain burnout when you can actually see um, on scans that the brain is getting burnt out. And I think, you know, it's one thing having a job where you think, oh my God, this job is taking everything I've got, but at least you can come home make a nice dinner, go to bed, have the weekends off. When you're a parent, of course, it's a 24-hour job. And I think parents feel more stressed than ever before to be perfect. You know, I think our grandmothers, grandfathers had an easier time. There wasn't all the tables and the charts and the internet and other people seeming to have perfect kids. And I think now it's so hard for parents because... We judge a child by, we go, well, I blame the parents for that. Well, there's something wrong with the parent. I was actually with someone on the weekend who's got four children. Three of them are great, and one of them has some issues. And we're like, what is that? Because the parents are the most amazing, loving, wonderful people. How come one of these kids has turned out clearly challenged? And it's so easy to blame the parents, but it's not always the parents' fault. Yeah, And it's being a parent myself, I can tell you it is impossible to be a perfect parent. No matter what you do, you're going to get it wrong. Um, I mean, I loved being a parent because it was the hardest job in the world. I didn't find that, but I only had one child. But I think it's very rewarding. But I think the pressure to be perfect as parents is almost impossible. And I think we do parents a lot of disservice when we have all these chances. Is your kid walking at one? Is your kid speaking? Is your kid potty trained? How are they doing in their sats? And parents compare themselves all the time. And frankly, it just makes you want to give up because everyone yeah. else's kids are better behaved than yours, smarter than yours. And it's so hard, that comparison. And schools do it too. I've always believed that the worst thing a school can do is reward achievement, not effort, because you get one kid that wins and 32 that don't. And I think it's, I think the whole schooling system is all based on also comparison. Yeah. And as a parent, you've got to do it your way. You can't compare yourself to anybody. I think it's really interesting what you said about the charts, because we've got two sets of identical twins. And obviously, normally they're born prematurely and they're quite delayed. So our boys have never hit those milestones in them timeframes that they're supposed to according to the red books uh, by the NHS, but they do well in their own right, don't they? And it's so because obviously a lot of our listeners have children with disabilities and complex needs, um, throughout our lives we have kind of stepped away from reaching milestones and we have been led by the children themselves and we have learned to celebrate every step that they have done in their own time. Yeah, and that's such a beautiful... I mean, Einstein was labelled educationally subnormal. Some of the most successful in the world were told, you're rubbish. John Lennon was told he was on the road to nowhere. Delia Smith got an O, got an O. There's the lowest market cooking. Trying to think of that. Damien Hurst was told he'd never make it as an artist. And it's a good idea occasionally to look at people who are at the top of their game and say... How are they in school? Often not very good. Children who are artistic find it very hard to focus. It's like having a cat to sit at a desk all day. Yeah. And, and we've got to recognize that artistic children are academic in a different way. So I love forest schools and yeah. schools where children can be outside because especially for boys, I mean, 
They're like puppies. They can't sit at a desk for six hours and learn. They, they need to be climbing trees and jumping. And my father was a headmaster, but he was very revolutionary. He didn't believe that anyone should go to a classroom they hated. If you didn't like math, you don't have to go. And I see now in the Finnish school system, you only go to lessons you like, you pick your own subjects, they nurture your talent. Instead of thinking you're good at something and bad at something, you go, like, this is my bag, this is my gem, this is what I'm good at. And it's such a better idea. And you're doing the right thing. You nurture achievement because praise makes you grow, criticism makes you wither. And as parents, we're so busy trying to make our kids good at reading and math and science. I'm working with someone at the moment whose parents are determined this kid will play the piano. I've never met a kid yet in my life who likes the piano. And they, they end up having so many problems because yeah. they've got to live the parent's story. And it's not their story. And our greatest damage comes from making someone else's story. I've got to be an academic because my mum is. I've got to be an accountant because my dad is. I've got to be sporty because it's expected. And you know, don't give birth to yourself. You give birth to a person who's nothing like you. Yeah. When you see them as your teacher, as well as you being their teacher, they're actually your teacher. You just have to nurture their dreams, even when, even when they're not your dreams. And coming back to the burnout, a lot of our followers are parents, especially these children. So how would they recognize the signs of, of that and what would help, you know, preventing getting to that stage? I, I think, think you have to yeah. say loads of stuff now and I'm going to be like, oh God, she's describing me. Oh no, she's describing me. I think it's very easy to get brain burnout and tiredness and exhaustion middled up. But the thing with brain burnout is you, you become unable to think clearly, you become unable to form sentences. You just... Um, become unable to, to use your brain. So we could say, gosh, I'm so tired. My legs feel like I can hardly get up off the sofa. That's physical. But when it's a brain burnout, normal things like adding up, remembering a recipe, they all disappear. You get brain fog. You find it very, yeah. very hard to put things together. And it's important not to go, oh, I need cake. I need a drink, I need a day off. It's important to recognize that you are in brain burnout and you've got to stop. You know, if your body was physically exhausted, you think, I, I can't get out of bed. My body's had enough because the body will make you stop. The problem with the brain is it doesn't make you stop. It lets you keep going and you really have to recognize it and take some time off very hard, especially with you having two sets of boy twins, but you've got to find some way whether that's taking an hour to just do nothing. I always think we're like batteries and we should just recharge like a battery. I call it taking the day or maybe you can only take an hour, do yoga, have a bath, have some, but just, just stop. Because if you don't stop, your body's eventually going to make you stop. You see, that's how I always say, I say it to so many people, we are not machines. No. And, and more than often, we just feel like we are machines because when you're, because a lot of our kind of children who need 24-hour care, where you're constantly having all their needs met, you know, we kind of forget we are the parent and almost turn into a full-time carer to our own children because we have to feed them, we have to mm. change them. They're doubly incontinent. We have to give make sure they get all the medicines. We are fighting with all professionals all the time to try and get the best treatments possible. And then we are liaising with schools and... And a lot of these parents listening to this will resonate with this because 
we as individuals, yes, we're parents, but we're also individuals, but we forget ourselves and we lose ourselves because the priority is always the children because their needs are so high. Yeah. And then that's when I always say, you know, people just think we're machines and we're not. Yeah. And, and, of course, a machine that gets broken, you can take it to the shop and get a new part put in, but a person that's broken, you can't do that. So you are, you are feeling like a machine that burns out. You know, if you keep using a machine over and over again, it will just burn out and then you just replace it. But yeah. you can't replace you. And, of course, you're the, you're the parents, you're the teacher, you're the nurse, the doctor, you're the educator, you're the cook, you're everything. And that's incredibly hard, 24-hour care. But what I see some people doing, which is totally, when they get an hour off and the baby's asleep or they, they start ironing, yeah. just, just you need to forget all of that. Your kids don't care if nothing is ironed. They don't care if you're giving them beans on toast. They don't care if you haven't hoovered. The most important thing you can do for yourself is when your children are asleep, go to sleep. The house can be completely a mess. You might be living on frozen food, you go, yeah, but my children need nutritious stuff, but you need sleep because you have to remember what your kid needs. Your child needs you. They need you to function. And so while you're putting them first, you've got to put yourself second. Forget about chores. Forget about everything. When they sleep, sleep, because sleep is nature's restore. The more you can sleep, the better you'll feel. And everything else that you're doing, even laundry, just try and leave that. Don't worry about Your kids don't remember that you had a tidy house. I mean, my mum was fanatically tidy. I actually found that very strange. She's always tidying up. They, all they want you to do ever is to be present with them. And, of course, with a child with disability, you're present all the time. But no matter how hard it is and how much you're stretched in all directions, you have to think of where can I find two hours to nap? Where can I find time to sleep? Because when you don't have sleep, as you know, all regimes torture in the middle of the night because when you can't sleep, you give up everything. You know, sleep is nature's restorer and you're not restoring without sleep. I mean, thank goodness there's two of you. When you're a single parent, it, it's yeah. even worse. And I can't even imagine how stressful it is for you both. But what an amazing thing you've done taking on these two sets of twins. And um, hats off to you for that. But you just have to prioritize self-care. What is self-care? I mean, it's quite simple, really. Self-care is, are you drinking enough water? Are you eating? Are you getting enough sleep? So sleep, eat, hydrate. And the other big part is, are you down if you're going, oh, my God, I'm such a failure? I go, are you saying, listen, I'm doing the very best I can do? Yeah. I'm doing this out of love. It's not perfect, but I'm doing the best I can. So self-care is, one, how do you treat yourself? But two, and it's even more important, how do you dialogue with yourself? How do you talk to you? You need to say things like, I deserve a medal for this. I am doing everything. I'm doing this from love. I'm so patient. And be nice to yourself because criticism will wither you and praise will make you grow. So instead of focusing on what you're not doing, Think of what you are doing. I mean, doctors and nurses get to go home and have, they may work a long shift, but they get three days off and yeah. you don't. And also you need to really support each other too. That's so important. Uh, that is true, isn't it? That's what we say all the time. And 
it's just some some people, especially like you've just said, Marissa, the the single carers. It's even like there's double the workload for them, obviously, because they're by themselves. You and know what's the worst thing for me, Marissa, and I'm going to keep this as real as ever because a lot of our listeners like the realness about us because you know here we are we are a family and we are parenting we are we're very diverse in everything we do but here's an example we have one day where i say to michael right i'm going to make the an effort today i'm going to sort my hair out get my eyebrows done i'm going to look like i used to look 20 years ago i do all that i feel quite confident and then somebody turns around and says, God, you look knackered. <laughs> and I just think, what's the point in all of this? And it happens because the tiredness just shows on my face. It's like somebody's yeah. picked it up and mm-hmm. just thrown it at me. Yeah. And then it's better to go, you know, I am tired. I'm doing six jobs. I, I think you should acknowledge that and have people see it as a mark of what you're doing. It's not a failure that you look tired. It's a sign that you've given everything you've got and you're a very giving person. Someone said to me, I was teaching my school in Amsterdam. One of my friends said, why you look really tired? I said, yeah, I'm tired. I've just been teaching for five days straight and I'm tired, but, you know, I'm actually going to recharge now and do nothing. I have that luxury. I think one of the hardest things too, a single parent doesn't have someone to go, hey, doing a great job because we have what I call a praise muscle. And our praise muscle withers if we don't get praise. So at least you have your lovely part to go, hey, I think you look great. You do look tired, but you're tired because you're giving so much. And tiredness is something you can, it's temporary. Your face will look tired and drained. And then the next day it can look amazing after some sleep and hydration. But thank goodness you have each other and Often when people are saying you're tired, I would see that as a badge of honour. I know I earned this tiredness. I'm, I've been full-time for these children and I'm tired because I'm giving them everything I've got and more too. And if I didn't look tired, maybe I wouldn't be doing the job I'm doing. So I would, when someone says that, don't see it as an insult, see it as a compliment. That's a great way to put it. That into, is the uh, best, <laughs> best I've heard and, you know, because <laughs> normally, and because we all have those emotions, we're all human. Mm-hmm. We are all absolutely human. Yes. And as you know, when you are tired and exhausted, your emotions. So when I've been not sleeping with the boys and they're up throughout the night, it's almost like I regress. I turn into a baby. I just cry. Yeah. Whereas, whereas Michael is more the machine he will go and go and go until he physically can't go and then he just sleeps you, you know and we we know that's how it works in this house and we're very fortunate that there is two of us and you know utmost respect to single parents mm. doing it yeah. by yourself because when you've had a really tough day parenting you sometimes don't have that other person just to offload everything to um, Sometimes, too, when you want to cry, I think it's okay to cry in front of them and go, you know, Daddy is so tired, I'm just crying, because they kind of get it. They go, oh, that's what happens when you're tired, you get cranky, because after all, that's what they do. And I think often we try to pretend for our kids everything's perfect, everything is good, and that creates more burnout. And I think, no, I think it's fine to say, you know, Daddy is just losing it today, so tired, I'm having a little cry here in the corner because I'm tired because you actually give them permission to do that too. You know, childhood is not perfect. And I think letting yourself cry and thinking, I'm just 
been overwhelmed today is much better than putting on that happy face and going, everything's perfect, I'm like a robot. And one of my favorite expressions in the world says, the feeling that cannot find its expression in tears will cause other organs to weep. And if we only could all remember that, I don't cry this out. My body's going to have to do it for me. And often I think it's, it's okay to have a good cry. Yeah. Because you're letting your feelings out. I think feelings are like gas. They're in or they're out. And they're uncomfortable out, but they're even more uncomfortable when you keep them in. So I don't think you should be ashamed of crying in front of your kids. One of my friends was telling me that her son just couldn't stand her partner. It was so difficult. And so she started to cry and said, you know, I guess I'm going to have to stop seeing him then because you don't like him and that's such a shame. And, I, and he said, oh, no, mommy, no, no, it's okay. You see him. I don't really hate him. But she said it was when she actually let herself cry and said, well, you're making me choose. And that's so sad because I loved having a friend, but I'm going to choose you. But now mommy's sad. You did a complete bad and said, no, I, I like him actually. So don't put on that happy face because you have children who have to know it's, it's okay. Your feelings are the most real thing you have. And I tell all my patients, you must feel the feeling until it no longer requires to be felt. And if you can't feel sadness or teary or emotional, you end up eating those feelings, drinking those feelings, shopping, Netflixing or shopping those feelings. It's okay to feel them. It's okay to cry and say, I'm having a really bad day today because your kids then become much more understanding because God knows they have bad days and they cry and they don't want to be perfect. It's our belief I've got to be perfect. And I have seen the other side of that people who have seemingly perfect parents and that yeah. is a curse for a child. They don't like that because they just can't live up to it. Your advice is going to help so many of our listeners on the podcast. Um, we, we know that you're the creator of Rapid Transformational Therapy, Marissa. Gosh, that's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, we call it RTT, Rapid Transformational Therapy, RTT. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Well, you know, I, I created RTT because I was looking at, you know, I've been doing this my entire adult life. Clients would come in with all kinds of issues, irritable bowel, um, nervous tummy, chronic headaches, um, desperate sadness because they couldn't find love or they were shy or they were blushing or they had a stammer. And I never under the model that said, bring me your pain every week and over time we'll work on it because no one goes to ER. Imagine going to ER or the dentist or the car going, hey, my tooth's fallen out. I've hurt my back. I think I've broken my leg. They wouldn't go well. Over time, I'm going to build up trust I mean, you better, when people are in pain, whether it's physical or emotional or indeed mental, they want to get out of pain as fast as they possibly can. So I wanted to create a therapy that did what the emergency room did, bring me your pain, I'm going to diagnose it, understand it, and fix it all at the same time. And a lot of therapists don't like me for that because they believe therapy shouldn't be rapid. But I'm like, well, why shouldn't it be? Who said that? And what did they even know? You know, we live in a very fast world. And I think whatever pain you're in, if you're in pain, you want to be out. I know when I'm in pain, I want to be out of pain as yeah. fast as I possibly can. You know, I was in New York four years ago and I went into anaphylactic shock in the street. Really weird. I've never had that before. And an ambulance came and I never built a relationship with trust. And I don't know who they even were. They shoved an EpiPen in my leg, took me to hospital. I woke up. I never saw them again. But I already trusted them. 
here's an ambulance, they're going to stop me going into anaphylactic shock. And I think when people go to a therapist, if they believe you're good, they already trust you. And all of our clients say, you know, it's so great. And I work with a lot of what I call the lost boys or a lot of teenagers between 13 and maybe 18 who have really low self-esteem. Often they don't have a father figure. And they're in so much pain. They're so close to being arrested, getting a record, and they don't have time to come in every week. I mean, they don't even say, hey, whatever. They don't even have the language skills or the ability to converse with you. Let's talk about mm. care, whatever. They don't want that. They want you to say, you know what, darling? You don't have a dad, and that was wrong, and that wasn't fair, and that wasn't right. But if you had a dad, if you had an amazing dad, what kind of things would he say? And they all say, well... He said, I'm proud of you. You're a great kid. That's right. And, you know, you can say that yourself. It may sound weird, but it actually works. And I've had so many breakthroughs with the lost boys by just having them understand that the missing bit of them is the praise they never got. And actually, they can put it into themselves. It sounds weird, but it's actually super powerful. And that's partly why I created my program in schools, because so many children they don't have ideal parenting. It's not an Enid Blyton book. You can't, you have to deal with where you are. You live with mom, mom's depressed, your dad's frankly an idiot. He's, he's, he's less mature than you are. But we can start from there and make you feel that you're an amazing kid with something to offer because a parent's job is to raise self-esteem in children. But that's yeah. really hard when no one tells you how to do that with all these kids comparing themselves to other kids, living on their laptops, being overexposed every day to fake images of perfection. It's like, where do I even begin? But your job is to raise your children. And I love the fact that you praise every milestone because that's what you're doing every day. You're raising their self-esteem. And if you do that, it doesn't matter how much organic broccoli you give your kids or whether they're learning Mandarin. If they don't have high self-esteem, you haven't done it. And if they have, you do. So focus on that. Raise your kids' self-esteem any way you can by focusing on what they're good at, being present with them, praising them, but not like, oh, you're amazing. You're so great. Say those. You know, I notice that you're really kind to your brother. I notice that you're so good at art. I notice that you're really picking this up very quickly because they know when it's real. And once you raise their self-esteem, you've done the most important job in the world. Hearing you talk, I feel like we're in our own private therapy session and I just love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And I know a lot of our parents are going to feel exactly the same. You know, when people listen to this conversation, you come away from it with a totally different mindset, totally different mindset. And, you know, the day just seems so much more brighter and the simple tasks seem a lot easier. That is what I get from listening to yeah. you talk. On that note, Marisa, sadly, we have to end this. And I, just, and I don't want to end it, but we will definitely remain in contact 100%. Well, I admire you too. I think what you've done, taking on those two sets of boy twins is extraordinary. I mean, that's such a beautiful thing that you've done. I would take my hat off oh. to you. Because you've done something amazing, and I think it's so beautiful. And, you know, you've given those four boys a life and a hope, and they didn't have to be perfect. So 
You know, in the Quran, it says, if you change the life of one person, it's the same as changing the life of the whole world. In the Torah, it says, if you save one person's life, it's the same as saving the life of them. That's what you've done. You've changed the lives of four children. And that's, everyone wants to change the world, but how you change the world is you change people one kid at a time. Yeah. That's what you're doing. So I take my hat off to you for that. That's so kind of you. Absolutely. It's been such a joy. Now I'm going to go and make a cup of tea and have a crack. Yeah, you do that. Thank you. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Take care. Much love to you. So here on the Differability Podcast, we like to uh, read out some of the reviews we get. And we want these to keep coming in because it really, really does help us climb the podcast chart, to be honest. But here's one review I wanted to read out. It says... um, And it's from Apple Podcasts. Amazing, brilliant, just brilliant. So relatable and relevant. I love it, guys. My new weekly fix. Keep going at what you're doing. You really are smashing it. Well, that's really kind. Um, I think whenever we get um, reviews, it just shows that we're he- kind of heading in the dire- right direction. Yeah. Uh, Michael, keep, are you still there? No, or keep have you the, fallen asleep? Uh, keep the five-star reviews coming in. Don't forget to like, share... Do you believe in that? Don't forget to. We're going to see that next week. Yeah, next week we are going to see the share show. Try saying that when you've had one one or two martinis. (laughs) Can't say it. We are one or two. Can't even say it anytime. It's these teeth. You see these teeth. Uh, Yeah, so uh, next week we are going to see the share show at Sheffield. But you know, back to the Differability Podcast. Don't forget to like share, rate and review because that's really important it helps us climb the charts and we still haven't gotten to the top 10 and that is our goal to get into the top 10 and to stay in the top 10 No, we did come near we were number 12 one week so we are really grateful for everybody that's tuning in and all the comments and the likes, reviews and shares and if you do want to be a guest here on the podcast do uh, get in touch with Jack um, I don't know how you do that because it's very difficult even for us to get in touch with Jack. So, you know, and then... Um, yeah, drop us a message on his Instagram page. So all our social media is the Apple Bryce family. We're on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Venus, Mars, and Uranus. There we go. I've done it again. Thank you so much for listening. It's always a pleasure. Never a chore. And we love all the support that you give us because don't forget, everybody, in the real world, we are all in this together. And by supporting each other, we can all achieve so much more. Yeah, so so check out our social medias. Also, check out the Dadsnet social media. There is a special Facebook page for parenting additional needs children, um, which has lots of other parents on uh, of additional needs children. So do check that out as well. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.